Welcome to Mentioned in Dispatches, the podcast from the Western Front Association, with me, Dr Tom Thorpe. The WFA is the UK's largest Great War History Society. We are dedicated to furthering understanding of the Great War and have over 60 branches worldwide. For more information, visit our website at westernfrontassociation.com. It is the 19th of April 2021 and this is episode 204. On today's Dispatches podcast, I speak to Wendy Moore about her recent book, Endel Street, on the hospital of that name, established and run in Covent Garden, London, pioneering doctors Flora Murray and Louisa Garrett Anderson. This book is released in the USA under the name No Man's Land. Both the US and UK versions are published by Atlantic Books and a new paperback version is published in Britain in April of this year. Wendy spoke to me over the interweb from her home in South London. Wendy, welcome to the Dispatches podcast. Could you start by telling us about yourself and how you became interested in the Great War? Um, well, it was really by a roundabout way. I didn't actually become interested in the Great the Great War as such. Um, I am a journalist by training. Um, I've written mainly about medicine and healthcare, and that's what took me to writing books. So I've written um, before this one four books on medical and social um, issues, and so I was looking for another story. Um, it's really stories that drive me and um, just by chance I was in the welcome um, library of the history of medicine in Euston Road and saw a painting on the wall and it was a painting of women in an operating theatre very beautiful painting Um, and it was you know it struck me because it's unusual even now to see an operating theatre with only women women surgeons Um, and then I discovered that this painting had been uh, painted of women in an operating theatre in a women-only hospital in the First World War. And so that's what um, was the light bulb moment for me. I I wanted to find out about this hospital and um, tell the story of it. So why write a book on the Endell Street Hospital? It's just a brilliant story. Um, uh, um, It was a unique hospital. It was the only hospital in the First World War to have been run by women under the auspices of the British Army. Um, I think that's still the case. It's still still unique in that sense. And I just thought there was a brilliant story to tell of all these women who were doing something they'd never had the chance to do before, trying to prove that women were as good at medicine, as good at running a hospital as as men were, and and they were successful. They were applauded. They were uh, pl- they were praised by the newspapers, by the press, and the patients loved being there too. So I just thought this is a, an amazing story. It hadn't been told at book length before, and I really wanted to share it. So before. Before we get into the detail of the hospital, could you start by telling us about the heroines of your book, Flora Murray and Louisa Garrett Anderson? Who were they and what made them so interesting? They, they were both doctors. Uh, they were both, they had both been suffragettes and they were partners. They were life partners. Uh, they were in their 40s by the time the First World War came out. But even though they had both qualified in medicine, they'd both got the same medical degrees and qualifications as any male doctor, and they were 41 and 45 They'd never before been allowed to treat men or to do um, major um, surgery. So women at that time, women doctors, were able to qualify, but they weren't um, normally um, allowed to work in mainstream hospitals. Um, they, they, it was taboo for women to treat men. And so women doctors had very little experience of doing um, major operations and certainly no experience at all of doing military surgery. Um, and that, but they were. They, so partly because of that prejudice, really, they both um, be- become members of the suffragettes, the WSPU, Mrs. Pankhurst. 
Parkhurst um, militants. And uh, Louisa Garrett Anderson um, had served four years in prison for uh, throwing a stone through a window. And uh, Flora Murray was probably had probably taken even more risks. She had been Mrs. Pankhurst's honorary doctor. So she treated Mrs. Pankhurst and many other suffragettes for the ill effects of being force fed in prison. Uh, so they both taken quite a big risk with their uh, medical careers. Um, and they had met each other through the suffragette movement and they lived together really as a married couple. So for them, um, showing what they could do as doctors was really a, um, a, a sign of their own commitment to each other, I think. Could you start by telling us about the origins of the hospital and how it became established in Endell Street? Could you start by telling us where Endell Street is in modern day London and what sort of area it was in 1914? Well, I have to start by going to France, in fact, because at the outbreak of the war, um, Flora Murray and Louisa Garrett Anderson decided that they too wanted to go to war. So they saw it, they wanted to do their bit for their country, but they also saw it as an opportunity to prove that women doctors could um, treat men, could um, do everything that male doctors could. So when war broke out, they, they put together a unit of mainly women and went to France. Um, they didn't bother to approach the war, war office because the British army had already rejected many women doctors and didn't want their services. So they had approached the French Red Cross, who'd been very happy to take them on, and gave them a, um, a, a luxury hotel, Claridge's Hotel in Paris, where they ran their first hospital. Um, and army officials came to look at this. They'd been very cynical to begin with and uh, quite hostile about the whole idea of women running a military hospital. But they came to see it they saw what was being done um, they were incredibly impressed and on the basis of that when the women then set up a second hospital near Boulogne in Wimereux the army then um, said um, accepted them and that hospital was run under the auspices of the army so in May 1915 or sorry in early 1915 when the um, Sir Alfred Keogh realised that uh, many more hospitals were needed on the home front um, he was the head of medical services for the army and he invited Flora and Louisa to come to meet him and gave them this unprecedented opportunity. He asked them to run a major military hospital in the heart of London under the British Army. That was the first time that had ever been done and um, it was um, a, a quite a gamble for him really. So Endell Street opened in a former workhouse in um, Covent Garden um, in May 1915. Uh, at the time Covent Garden was quite a mixed area really. Um, it was not far from the Strand and the Strand was one of London's major shopping streets, very busy thoroughfare. Uh, but Covent Garden itself was known for the market, um, quite a poor area in many ways and obviously this was an old workhouse um, but it was theatre land as well and um, through their suffragette um, connections they knew lots of people in theatre land, lots, lots of women and they drew on those contacts to provide um, entertainment for the hospital. And so what challenges did they face in establishing a hospital in a former workhouse? In, initially it was um, very challenging because they turned up at this workhouse, there were um, army um, men trying to convert it. Um, it was um, very old, very gloomy, um, filthy, full of 
debris and they were concerned the work was going very slowly so being the women that they were they um, got onto Keo and said they wanted to take charge of the the changes and once they once they had the keys themselves work went on much more quickly and um, so that was a you know practical challenge they were intent on making it as um, attractive and homely as possible because um, from her experience in uh, working in France Louisa Garrett Anderson believed that the men were uh, more wounded in their minds than in their bodies. So she set out very deliberately to uh, make sure that the hospital was welcoming, it was bright and cheerful, the, the wards had standard lamps and easy chairs and colourful quilts, and the quarter, which was a very, had been a very gloomy, um, grim, shadowy place, they, they brought in lots of plants and made it like a sort of um, a green even for the men to relax him um, but it was it was very difficult in lots of ways because um, uh, Sir Alfred Keir told that this would fail he was warned that um, the hospital would not last six months um, nobody in the army believed that women could were capable of running a military hospital and so they were they said the army most of the army officials were actually quite hostile and obstructive they also had the difficulties of um, training these women in very short time to um, do the work in the hospital as well. And so what type of hospital patients did the facility treat and what sort of activity did they have in terms of some numbers of patients passing through um, its wards? The hospital had um, 520 beds, later that was increased to 570 and later on they actually took on three auxiliary hospitals as well so in total they were in charge of about 800 beds. And in terms of military hospitals within London, it was one of the 20 largest military hospitals in the capital but in central London it was one of the 10 biggest hospitals and because it was very close to Charing Cross station it actually took in many of the most serious patients um, so very serious seriously wounded men arrived there um, at first they were taking in um, patients with every conceivable kind of wound and sickness um, men who've been gassed um, men with shell shock but as the war went on and um, the medical services specialised much more and made sure that men with particular um, conditions went to specialist hospitals. Endless Street became um, used more as an orthopaedic hospital and they did have particular expertise in that or they certainly developed that. Um, they had um, they were renowned for taking lots of efforts to make sure that the, the men had encouragement to, to walk again. Um, they, they had a special, um, un, a special department that made prosthetic limbs and um, and crutches and they were very good at physiotherapy so that was their particular specialty. Why were Flora and Louisa so good at running the hospital? I think it goes back to their suffragette um, experiences and they in fact did um, say that that was crucial to their success. Um, the, the suffragette movement was amazingly well organised, it was a military organisation and so they had learnt from that discipline, um, from that perseverance, from that just sheer stamina um, that you had to keep going, you had to um, keep encouraging people. Um, and they were very tough bosses. Um, they were determined that they were going to be at least as good as men. They told their staff that they had to be not only as good as male workers, but better than male workers. Uh, so it was um, a very tight run ship. Um, they were, you know, strict disciplinarians, but they were also very fair, I think. And, I, and the women were in fear of them, the women who worked there, but they also respected to them enormously and, and were in awe of, of them too. So what was the sort of reception of a serviceman who went through the hospital? 
begin with, there were stories of men who arrived at industry in the convoys. Um, they were unloaded from ambulance trains in Charing Cross and taken by ambulance to the hospital. Some of them apparently thought they'd been sent there to die because they couldn't think of another reason why they would be sent to a hospital run by women. But very quickly, they got to like the hospital. They became um, very confident of the women doctors. That was one of the first concerns that that men would not um, consent to be treated by women, but that, did, that was definitely not a problem. Um, the women, the, the patients um, started to um, talk about the hospital being the best in London and the, the most successful in London, and the most efficient. Um, so uh, within about six months, it was very well established. It was described by um, newspapers as, as being you know, one of the best hospitals in, in London. And so what happened to the hospital after the war? Um, when After the war, when um, the hospital stayed open for a further year to treat the victims of the Spanish flu, um, many other military hospitals had closed down, but Andrew Street stayed open. And that was really the most difficult time for the staff because throughout the war, they had um, kept going through air raids, through uh, rat through all the you know, real grueling, grueling experience of um, treating men, very heavily, extremely wounded men. But they kept going because of a, um, a fight against a common enemy. But when the flu hit and um, already you know, the war was over, they didn't have that same uh, spirit and they were almost helpless against this invisible enemy, the flu virus. And in fact, more patients, more men died per week during the flu pandemic than died per week during the war. So that was really demoralising. Um, and the staff were really at their lowest ebb. And in fact, um, many of the staff also became ill with the flu and uh, at least four of them died. But they did actually pioneer some um, new um, methods to try to contain infection uh, during the the flu pandemic. So they um, were one of the first military hospitals to start using face masks um, to segregate the patients. They segregated them in special wards and they put up screens between the beds to try to contain the infection. So the hospital stayed open till um, the end of 1919 and then it closed and um, went back to, um, well, it was, a, it was derelict by then, so it was left empty for quite a while. So how were the roles and the pioneering work of Louisa and Flora remembered after the war? They were not very well remembered. I think that's partly why I wanted to write the book. Um, during the war, they both were given CBEs um, in 1917 um, for their war work. Um, and women obviously gained the vote in 1918, and that was seen as being as part of their war work. And certainly Louise and Flora saw it in that way. They celebrated at Endel Street when the vote came through. Um, when the war ended, um, there was a backlash against women doctors and women generally. Um, women doctors were expected then to go back to doing the roles they'd done before. So women doctors who'd been in the army were then they lost their job. Women doctors who'd uh, worked in hospitals and kept them going while uh, male doctors were at war had to give up those jobs and were made to go back to treating only women and children again. And uh, women everywhere were expected to really return to their pre-war roles. So most of the women doctors and all the women who worked at Endress Street um, had to go back to doing the things they'd done before. Uh, so in a way, I think um, the world kind of wanted to go back to this pre-war time and, and more or less forget about what women had done during the war. Um, Flora Murray was very keen to um, keep the memory of the hospital alive. So while at Endress Street, they had kept a scrapbook, they'd kept cuttings and photographs, and that still survives. Um, she also wrote a book um, shortly after the war ended that was published in 1920. 
to describe the experience of women um, running a hospital because she wanted that to be proof of what women, women doctors do. But sadly, she died in 1923. And I think she was partly worn out by her war work. And it, very sadly, um, at her funeral, there were the last post played. It was a, a military style funeral. The head of the uh, medical services came to the funeral. Um, and then Flora, um, Louisa lived on for another 20 years. So she did serve briefly during the Second World War and she died in 1943. But in terms of women doctors, um, their um, contribution was more or less forgotten until the Second World War. And again, they were asked to help out the British Army, given slightly more equal rights. But it wasn't really until the Sex Discrimination Act of 1975 that women doctors were um, able to um, uh, compete on equal terms with men. Uh, so that was really the beginning of a move towards equality. Is there anything left of the workhouse that was the hospital left today? Well, the, the building itself was demolished in the 1970s. And um, now there are council flats that were built there in the 1980s on the site. So there's nothing left of the building as such. Um, although the courtyard actually remains, the footprint of the courtyard is now the gardens of the council flat. Um, so I went there as part of my research and stood in the courtyard so that I could imagine these ambulances coming in and unloading convoys of wounded patients um, and apart from that there's a plaque on the the wall of the council flats which does commemorate um, Flora Murray and Louisa Garrett Anderson and all the women who worked at Endor Street and the men who were treated there. And several hospitals have been named after Louisa Garrett Anderson. I remember when I worked at UCH many many years ago there was a hospital dedicated to her memory. Actually that's her mother so I should have probably mentioned that before. Um, Louisa's mother Elizabeth Garrett Anderson was the first woman who qualified in medicine um, in Britain in um, 1865. So Louisa had been very much following in, in her mother's footsteps in becoming a doctor and uh, Louisa actually did work at um, her mother's hospital and trained at the medical school her mother had um, helped to run. Um, so, um, so, so yeah so her mother is commemorating um, Louisa Garrett Anderson um, is not very well known at all. So I really, you know, that's why I really wanted to write the book to pay tribute to these absolutely incredible two women um, who persevered against all odds to prove a point, really. Which demonstrates my ignorance and leads me to my last question is where can people learn more about your work and your book? I hope people will buy the book. Um, as I said, I mean, I did write it as a tribute not only to the women who worked at the hospital, but also to the men who were treated there. And as part of the research, um, I got in touch with lots of families of patients who had um, been treated at the hospital. Um, and that was you know, a really moving experience talking to the um, grandchildren and uh, great nephews of um, patients who'd been treated there. And they, a lot of them shared with me their stories. Um, so lots of those stories are in the book. Um, and I have a website. Um, which is www.wendymore.org.uk. So there's more about the book on that uh, website as well. Wendy, thank you very much for your time. You're very welcome. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. You have been listening to the Mentioned in Dispatches podcast from the Western Front Association with me, Tom Thorpe. Thank you for all my guests for appearing on this edition. The theme music for this podcast was George Buthworth's The Banks of Green Willow. It was performed by the BBC National Orchestra of Wales, conducted by Chris Russman, 
and produced by Biz Records. This recording is part of a collection of orchestral works by Butterworth performed by the BBC National Orchestra of Wales and supported by the Western Front Association. This is available from all good record stores under the record code BIS2195. Until next time.